Hello, and welcome to The Consumer VC. I am your host, Mike Gelb, and on this show, we talk about the world of venture capital and innovation in both consumer technology and consumer products. If you're enjoying this content, you could subscribe to my newsletter, theconsumervc.substack.com, to get each new episode and more consumer news delivered straight to your inbox. Our guest today is Joe Spector, founder and CEO of Dutch. Dutch is the online vet care when you need it. Previously, Joe is one of the founders of Hims and Hers. We discussed the opportunity he saw within pet insurance and care, how his approach to fundraising at Dutch was quite different to his approach at Hims and Hers, and why he wants to change the incentive structure within the vet industry. Without further ado, here's Joe. Joe, thank you so much for joining me here today. How are you? I'm doing uh, extremely well. Like I said, I feel like I'm running like a chicken with its head cut off, but in a good way. I'm a happy chicken. (laughs) It's my natural state. (laughs) As long as you're a happy chicken, that is a good thing. That is a good thing. So I want to start at the very beginning, you know, before you started Dutch, which obviously we're going to spend the majority of our time talking about, you were one of the co-founders of Hims and Hers. Why did you decide to leave Hims and Hers? What did you learn from that experience? I learned so much. And I think the short answer is, you know, I did my what I did at Hims, and it was time to be the CEO and, and the boss of my own venture. But I learned a lot. I learned what it's like to fundraise. I learned what it's like to build a team. I learned what it's like to build a telemedicine business, state by state, heavy operations. I learned what it's like to scale a business operations-wise, human capital-wise, and on the marketing side, learn what it's like to to be spending uh, millions of dollars a month. (laughs) That is a lot of learnings um, right there. So when you felt like it was your time to go and hymns and start your own thing, what became Dutch. What was that experience like? And when did you have the idea for Dutch? What was kind of that aha moment, if there was an aha moment? It was, we got a pandemic puppy. My brother has had a dog forever. And I think the combination of that, I literally had this aha moment where I felt, wait a minute, I just built a a way for guys to save a ton of money and time. And yet here I am spending hundreds of dollars at the vet half my day. This makes no sense. And I looked at the landscape and I just saw so many similarities of what the world was like before hymns came on the scene. And I just saw so many similar patterns that I felt like best position to address them in the pet market. So what was the first step? And that, I mean, that totally, you know, understands on paper, right? Seeing since in Hims and Hers, you build a telemedicine business for humans. Why not build a telemedicine business for pets? What was the first kind of steps you had to take, though, for Dutch? And, you know, maybe if those were, you know, different to, you know, Hims and Hers. I think one of the things I really learned coming out of Hims is the importance of testing, so I put up several kind of smokescreen tests that started to give me a really positive indication of the opportunity here. And that's kind of 
something similar uh, we did at Hymns before launch. And then it was also, of course, understanding the competitive landscape. And that was also very similar because prior to Hymns, there were lots of companies who wanted to attack men's wellness, but they wanted to go the easier route and offer retail style products. And Hymns made a decision early on to go do the hard thing, which is actually writing prescriptions. And I felt like that's what Dutch is going to do. And I saw that everyone was also in the pet space dancing around the edges, but no one was going all out and actually building a network that could write a prescription and save you time and money from going to a vet. That's helpful. What were some of the smoke screen tests that you did when you were first kind of formulating and thinking about Dutch? It's thinking about like, what's the, some of the low hanging fruit that's out there. And there's um, just like hymns attack chronic conditions. I put out different chronic conditions on the pet side to see what the uptake was on Facebook and Instagram. That was always kind of the easier place to go, especially uh, before some of the iOS 14 changes. That's kind of what we did there. And it's easy to put up things and see how they perform. Got it. Got it. So running tests through Facebook ads, yeah. Instagram ads, and kind of see if this is something that people were responding to or being receptive of. You know, if you were to build and actually be able to write prescriptions um, online, would that actually be something, something that, that people were keen in? I'd imagine that um, since you started, you know, during the pandemic, there was probably a lot of excitement from from people that, hey, like I can't really go anywhere anyway, and I can get so many things directly to my doorstep except for you know prescriptions for my pet. So I can understand why that actually makes sense. Why they actually did have maybe some buzz or excitement around um, this particular process. When you saw a lot of different companies hanging around the edges of what the real problem is in pain point writing prescriptions. How were you able to tackle that and go through the regulations? Obviously, you were able to do it with in, in the hymns and hers. And I'd imagine regulation for writing human prescriptions is different than writing pet prescriptions. I'd love to kind of just talk a bit about, you know, comparing writing prescriptions of what you did with Hims and building this business with Dutch, and as well as why so many companies avoided solving this pain point. I think at a high level, first of all, it, it's a messy endeavor. It's a lot easier to sell a toy or sell something over the counter. You can get going, and then it, it's a classic, you know, selling socks model, etc. This takes a lot of effort, and it is kind of the lessons I learned from Hims, I was able to bring in many of the lawyers, many of the pharmacies, many of the lobbyists that I already developed relationships. There's not that many, even today, excellent telemedicine lawyers. That's kind of a specialized art form. And being able to have someone who's kind of already done the work, I think certainly gave me a leg up. I also think I mean, being an entrepreneur to begin with requires very thick skin. Working with regulators, working with a new group of folks, veterinarians who have never seen telemedicine, you're, I mean, this is to my earlier point of running with a chicken, like, it, it, you know, there's just so many constituencies that you have to bring into your corner. It's a messy process. 
And I think if you've never done it before, if you don't have that thick skin, it's easy to run away from it or delay attacking the inevitable. So I think for me, it was always like, let's address the real problem, which is getting prescriptions in a way that's cheap, effective, to saves you time. And let's go after that problem. That's the biggest problem. Let's not waste time doing all this other stuff. Did you also see on the regulation side and, you know, working with lawyers that are very specific, have the specific skill set in telemedicine, did you also see that there was definitely a push for this to happen by just the market in total, given that you had COVID, where I'd imagine in hims and hers, I mean, as as well, you're dealing with human medicine, I'd imagine that that's more complicated than pet medicine on the surface, at least. But hymns and hers was, of course, started way before the pandemic. And there might have been a question of, is this actually a real need? Whereas since you're starting this business right during the pandemic, was there kind of more of like a market push for this to actually get done and being a company that would actually uh, be able to provide this type of service to pet owners? There's definitely some differences. I think in many ways with hymns, you're sort of solving the embarrassing factor of discussing these issues with your doctor and kind of hymns offers you discreteness. There isn't as much of a need uh, for discreteness in pet meds. In fact, people are very vocal about all the issues that their pets have. But the thing that we're solving for is making it way cheaper and more convenient and more affordable. And usually the pain point is when this uh, issue is happening, like your pet has an ear infection and it takes three weeks to get an appointment. I think for us, the driving force was not only the massive amount of pets adopted, but also the declining ratio of veterinarians to pets. I think the veterinarian economics are extremely different. A vet has to go almost get the same amount of schooling as a doctor, But the average veterinarian makes, if you can believe this, $50 an hour. The difference is just staggering. There's also just really different incentives. So there are very few haves and a lot of have-nots in the veterinary industry. The haves are the ones who own a clinic or run, you know, corporations and the have-nots is the you know 95% of vets who are working for the man. And they're the ones making on average 50 bucks an hour. However, the veterinarians are making a significant amount of their income from selling drugs. And that is very different than human medicine. Can you imagine a human doctor who made a third of his income selling medicine, that's a drug dealer. So (laughs) like that would just stop in a second. Whereas somehow, because maybe it's a smaller market, I think it's also because it's much more of a cash pay market, which is a huge structural difference. Most consumers don't have pet insurance. Most humans have (laughs) human insurance. And, And so that dynamic creates a much bigger incentive for the veterinarian who owns the clinic to be selling medicine and 
just loading up your basket when you check out with a lot of medication that you have no control over really because they just charge your card and get out of here. But the people who really make that money is the small concentration of vet clinic owners and the vast majority of vets and the entire set of consumers are the ones that bear the brunt of these unnecessary expenses and costs. That was a lot. <laughs> no, that was a lot. That was a lot. So it seems like, let's start with your first point, um, that there isn't that much discreteness when it comes to pet ownership. I think people are a lot more comfortable talking about maybe their pet illnesses than their own illnesses, right? So I'd imagine how that maybe translates to Dutch, that customer acquisition might be easier for you then, I would think. Oh, for sure. And there's just a lot more stuff, right? Like the same dog will get an ear and eye infection, then they could three months later get a skin infection. Like there's just more stuff in a shorter period of time that happens to an animal. Right, right. Of course, of course, that makes sense. How did you approach this from the beginning when you talked about you know, your approach to partnerships with vets and kind of all the kind of constituents within the value chain. How was your approach from the get-go to make sure that Dutch was, you know, rightly positioned and be able to be successful? It's being super clear on what we are and what we're not. And so we, we've always said that we see brick and mortar vets as partners. Our goal is not to eliminate the brick and mortar vet. Like we believe in your pet's wellness. We believe in there are services that they're best positioned to do. So we were always upfront and we're actually going to be forging relationships to that end in order to be that front door that I talked about. And at the same time, we're always clear, Hey, there's these inefficiencies where the consumer is charged $400 for a visit. That's not right. We're going to cut that and we're going to make it cheaper and faster for them to get a prescription when they don't need to unnecessarily go in person. Got it. That's helpful. And were you also aligning yourself with vets that to have them, hey, like for this prescription, you know, or, or it's your first one where we maybe identify this illness. Then afterwards, you don't need to come in. You can just use Dutch. Were you also kind of thinking about like that type in terms of like customer acquisition there? Or, or is it more on like the consumer to actually be able to find Dutch as an option? I think, and this was uh, maybe a lesson from HIMSS, but the service is built around the consumer first. So the consumer and the pet parent is at the heart of what we do. And we actually have our own veterinarian network. And so that network is, you know, we can ensure that they have good bedside manners. We can ensure that they're available all hours of the day as opposed to getting unevenness in our coverage or an unevenness in our communication. But I will say the one thing we're doing is we're paying veterinarians $80 per hour, which is you know still far less than what a doctor makes, but we feel that's a competitive rate for the average veterinarian um, to actually make a living and pay off their loans. 
Yeah, no, I mean, definitely compared to $50 an hour. So at least that is better. How did you go about building, you know, this, because it sounds quite ambitious as well, building this network of vets? Well, I did it at HIMSS. I built, <laughs> I built our network of physicians. And I can tell you, I remember, you know, this is one of those things, you know, as an entrepreneur, the more muscle memory you have of stuff, the easier it is to do it the second, third time around. I remember thinking, who in the world is gonna, as a, you know, as a doctor, will work for this digital startup that's selling ED medication? But you know what? Found one, then found a second one, and pretty soon that was ten, and then a hundred, and then three hundred. Um, so I think same thing here. There are many veterinarians who see the opportunity of telemedicine. There's so many veterinarians um, who are women who are looking for a work-life balance. There are many who are looking for a better salary. They're seeing what's happening on the human side in telemedicine adoption. So the more you start to do it, you kind of see, okay, there's really a population for whom this is in demand and they're looking for a service uh, to jump onto. That makes sense. How have you also approached, given the current fundraising landscape, market conditions. We've now seen a few companies that have extremely high burn rate, not much revenue to show for it, um, having to fold because they just weren't able to, they thought they the capital might be keep flowing and it, and it just has not, has dried up a little bit. I want to say a little bit because there's still a lot of capital still out there. When you think about you know your burn rate, which I know is always top of mind for entrepreneurs and of course revenue, how does this um, relate to your approach to hiring in this current landscape? Did you maybe have a thought that you were going to hire maybe a lot more people prior to, you know, all the events that, that have happened in 2022. And now, hey, I want to maybe scale back a little bit and maybe cut my burn per se um, or so. Just would love to kind of hear your thoughts around 2022. And if you had any type of change of heart, what you thought last year when it came to growing Dutch as opposed to your current perspective. I think that it was always top of mind from my previous experience, but also here, that in the early days, people have to be not just good, but excellent. And they actually need to be good at multiple things. And they can't even just necessarily be good at one thing. So I think most people are doing the job of one and a half to two people. And they're doing it in a way you know, I, I think um, most of us at Dutch are pet owners and we're in this business because we're solving a problem that many of us personally have. So I think there's a lot of passion and excitement for the actual product that we're building, but it's definitely a lean team and it's as efficient as it gets. I think that earlier on, I think coming like, uh, in June, when we first raised the seed, I think I thought maybe we would just be growing and, and burning. But I definitely think in this environment, having to take a step back and making sure that we're not just growing for the sake of growth, we're growing and acquiring the right users for our service. And I think we've also made sure that our service is solving the right problem, which is on the prescription side, as opposed to being kind of 
a general pet wellness, pet health business. Yeah, no, I mean, that makes a lot of sense in terms of, you know, how you think about the market conditions. Because I'd imagine it's also very challenging because talent has become extremely expensive, really hard to to hire considering that there's so many opportunities out there that, you know, kind of equates to what could be, you know, a high burn rate and not so great. What's also just generally speaking, what's your approach to, since you've now, you know, I mean, obviously you were part of and one of the founders and scaled hymns. And now, of course, you're on your own journey um, as CEO here at Dutch. What's your approach to hiring? Um, especially I feel like in this market climate, since it's really quite tricky, I'd imagine. So hiring, I think, is my secret weapon. I think, uh, <laughs> I do say so myself, I find a lot of success on LinkedIn. I think my other approach is I don't use recruiters. I think that there's a certain type of candidate who takes the recruiter phone call and then there's a far better candidate that takes a phone call with the actual CEO who actually wrote an email and pinged someone on purpose. I think the other thing is people look at, you know, who are the VCs? Again, lots of people can give money, but our main investors, Forerunner, Eclipse, Ben Lang, I think they're some of the best out there. And so people are excited to partner with them as well. But yeah, I think doing my own outreach and doing it on LinkedIn has been uh, quite slow. And I also, you know, I think the other difference is with Dutch is that there are so many pet parents who are dealing with the issue that we're solving that they're actually passionate about being part of that solution and, and working on this product as opposed to joining something, you know, some esoteric SaaS or some other thing that that uh, may make good sense, but isn't something they identify with. Yeah, we always give enterprise has a hard time as on this podcast, as you can imagine. But no, I mean that is part of what I love personally about consumer. Of course, you know that 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 it could be a problem or a pain point that you're personally solving, um, and that of course you know Dutch came from as well a pain point that you started as a COVID dog parent, which is great. How do you also ensure as we're kind of coming out of COVID, it's maybe tough to say, but what are maybe initiatives that you're taking to make sure that to keep users from not maybe churning or, you know, leaving Dutch and, you know, still be uh, customers and part of what you're building in a post-COVID world? Once people acquire, like there were 23 million pets adopted during COVID, um, that's not going to go away. That's a pet you have, like you said, for the next 10 years. And I think there's always something in, you know, now that we're exiting COVID, but we are seeing the highest rate of inflation since the early 80s. So making sure that we're providing an affordable solution, that's again, that's the new world and that's gonna stay with us for another several years. And actually Dutch has lowered our prices. We're now $15 a month, like cheaper than anything else you'll see in the market. And we're also super transparent on your medication. So if there's something you find more competitive or you want to take out of your basket, you control that as the consumer. So I think being affordable and significantly more affordable and saving you time, I think is the secret weapon. 
I can understand customers not wanting to revert back to maybe the old way of renewing medicine and having to go to the vet all the time and what have you, and as well as obviously um, beating them too on price. What is kind of the vision and like the future of Dutch as you're thinking about here in the next like next few years per se? I think our core competency is the vet network, being able to write prescriptions. We're also investing in our own electronic medical records dashboard. So that's going to continue um, to put the power of your medical history into the hands of the consumer. You know, if you can imagine ever having to switch vets or go into urgent care and you don't know where your, your medical records are, uh, I think that's an immensely powerful tool. And then using that hook, um, I think we'll continue to partner with other brick and mortar, with other retailers to help facilitate cost-effective prescriptions for their customers as well. That's really great. What's one book that's inspired you personally and one book that's inspired you professionally? Personally, I mean, the book that has is so dear to my heart is this book called Exodus by um, Leon Uris. And it's uh, the story of the founding of Israel. And my own background is that I grew up in the former Soviet Union. And that book was illegal, be, uh, partially because it's a story of fighting for freedom. And my dad almost uh, went to Siberia for, for having that book. And being sort of a fighter is, all, is a character trait that I think I've developed more and more. And that book always inspires me. On the professional side, my favorite book is Never Split the Difference. It's by a former uh, FBI hostage negotiator, and he has some really great advice on how to negotiate. I really appreciate you you sharing both those books. Exodus, we haven't heard Exodus yet featured on this show, so really excited to add that to the book list. And that's also a very, very powerful reason why you chose it. And Never Split the Difference, we've had a couple past guests talk about that book. I mean, I've read it. I think it's fantastic as well. My final question for you is, what's the best piece of advice that you've received? I think, again, I'm like, there's probably, you know, professional and personal. I think on the professional side, it's making sure that you make the time to, you know, to do the things that make you happy, which for me is right now my family and my kids. Um, it's so easy as an entrepreneur, at least for me, to spend an additional two hours here, two hours there, and little by little, they, um, you know, your kids grow up and you haven't seen them. So I think it's so important to just make the time. And those are the moments you, you'll probably remember for a long time. So that's kind of one piece of advice is just to make the time for yourself or, or to make it for your family. And I think on the, on the professional side, I would say, you know, surround yourself with people who are going to challenge you and don't surround yourself with yes people. Joe, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And there you have it. It was so terrific chatting with Joe. I hope you all enjoyed it. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love it if you'd write a review on the Apple Podcasts. You're also welcome to follow me, your host, Mike, on Twitter at Mike Gelb, and also follow for episode announcements at ConsumerVC. Thanks for listening, everyone.